Around Comics, Episode 36. Chicago, this is Round Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman. Ow! What the fuck was that? Uh-oh, a sneak attack. Holy nightmare. Run for your lives. Run for your lives. Danger. The emergency destruct system is now activated. Game over, man. Game over. We interrupt your regular broadcast to bring you this important news bulletin. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> Hey everybody, it is Sal. I am running solo today for episode 36. Hope that's not too big of a disappointment, but Chris and Tom have taken the week off, and uh, I decided to put together a little uh, show for you guys, cobbled together from different pieces of pre-recorded stuff, uh, including some interviews that our own Bernie Gonzalez got from San Diego Con last weekend. Uh, some news, some announcements, and who knows what else. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be me. You're stuck with me. Sorry. No Tom the Funny Man uh-huh, talking about monkeys and stealing the show. Sorry to disappoint, and Chris isn't going to be here to keep things all organized and you know running smoothly. It's just going to be me and you and however long it goes. But I hope that's uh, okay. Anyway, uh, let's get to it. Um, I just wanted to let you know that normally uh, we record from 7 to 9 at Dark Tower Comics every Friday night. And Dark Tower is located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. Also, uh, for any of you that are going to uh, Wizard World Chicago this year, uh, Dark Tower will have a booth there. It's booth 1542. Stop in, say hello to Mark Beatty. You've heard him on the show if you've listened before. Uh, he will be there all weekend, and they have a great selection of dollar books uh, that they are going to be selling, I believe, for 50 cents each, and it's just this enormous selection, and they're good guys, so go in there and say hi. Uh, speaking of Wizard World, we will also be there, so if you see us around, if you recognize us, come up and say hello, because we would love to meet you. Um, that's, oh wait, I can't forget this. Uh, Chris would get really upset all week long as I was planning this show. Chris is just, you know, make sure you don't forget the sponsor. Make sure you don't forget the announcements. Make sure you... And I said, don't worry, Chris. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. So with that in mind, I would like to say uh, this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by YouBuyNow.com, your spot on the web for toys, action figures, collectibles, and prop replicas. Check out their excellent selection of DC Direct, Marvel Legends, Master Replicas, Star Wars figures, and more. That's YOUBuyNow.com. And now, the good folks at YouBuyNow.com are offering a 10% discount to all Around Comics listeners. Just use the coupon code AROUNDCOMICS when placing your order and receive an additional 10% off. That's YouBuyNow.com. Check them out today. So, we got that out of the way. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, um... Bernie Gonzalez is going to 
be on the show today, recorded on the show. He went to Wizard or uh, San Diego Comic Con last week, which, if you're not familiar with, is is one of the largest comic book and media conventions in the universe. I don't know. It's gigantic. I. Uh, it's just crazy, ridiculously huge. So he went there, took uh, took a little recorder we gave him, and got some interviews, uh, talked to some interesting people, and, and we'll be listening to that mostly. We're also going to have the news a little bit later on. Um, what did I... Oh, I wanted to mention um, a couple of things new on the website, uh, aroundcomics.com. Uh, we now have, uh, and I completely stole this idea from the Indie Spinner Rack guys, so uh, so Charlito and Mr. Phil, thank you for, for such a great idea that I was able to rip off. Um, we, uh, we're we using this little service that gives us a free uh, 800 number, 888 number, uh, and you can leave a voicemail. It's it's one eight 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 six five g cast and you punch that into your phone, and then it's going to ask you for a 10-digit code, and then you punch in A-R-N-D Comics, around A-R-N-D-C-O-M-I-C-S, and then the PIN number is 1234, and you can leave us a voicemail, and we'll listen to them and uh, probably play them on the show. So give us a call, and, uh, you know, whatever, and we'll put you on the show. One message that I'd like to play now from our very own Amy, uh, Little Witch, on the boards. Uh, she's from the UK and and a you know longtime listener of our show. So here's Amy. Hi, Around Comics. It's Amy. Just wanted to say I love your show and I want it to be your first international caller. Hope you had a great time at Wizard World and that maybe next year I can come to it. Bye. Oh, how sweet. Uh, thanks, Amy, for calling in and uh, and trying out the uh, the new number, the hotline. You can go to our website and see uh, see that on there. Um, so leave us a message, and you can show up just like Amy. And uh, in case anyone doesn't know, um, Amy actually has started her own comic book podcast called The Birds of Geek. Uh, you can get it through iTunes, and I think through the Comic Podcast Network website. Um, so go check that out. It's her and, and a friend of hers. One, uh, Amy's in the UK, and, and the other girl, I, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, is in uh, the States, and they talk about comics. So go check that one out. And what else? Uh, what else do we have going on? The um, listener uh, LCS Challenge. Uh, you go to our site. On the left-hand side, there's a little banner for the uh, listener LCS Challenge. And basically what that is, is there's a uh, PDF file you can download and print out. And it's just a little flyer for Around Comics because a lot of people don't know about us or don't know about podcasts or whatever. So if you uh, take one of those and print it out and uh, and get your uh, local comic shop to put it up somewhere in their shop, we would uh, love to hear about it. And we'll also uh, mention them on the show and put a link to the store uh, with their address and everything on our website. So just a little something to hopefully help promote uh, the show. Uh, we have our July slash August contest running right now. You can see the details of that on our website. It's basically write Tom's comic. You have to fill in the word balloons, and we've already gotten a couple of good ones for that. And speaking of our website, www.aroundcomics.com is a great source for comic book news, reviews, uh, columns. There's a forum there. If you want to join the forum, you can send us emails. and Send us some emails. We, we have not received a whole lot of emails of late, We'd love to hear from anyone out there that's listening, and we'll uh, we'll also probably read your email on the uh, on the show. So do that. All right, I think I got all the due diligence out of the way now. Uh, 
thank goodness, otherwise Chris would be really upset. Let's uh, let's turn it over to one of the interviews from Bernie. Um, like I had said before, he went down to the San Diego Comic Con last weekend, talked to a few different people. So let's uh, let's hear from Bernie and see what he has to say about uh, about going to the San Diego Comic Con. Hey everyone, this is Bernie. The terrible trio are taking a week off to prep for Wizard Chicago, uh, but in the meantime, and uh, for your listening pleasure, uh, I'll tell you about my recent trip. Uh, this past weekend, I had the opportunity to travel west to good old sunny California and partake in the big show, San Diego Comic Con. Um, let's see, I've attended a few cons during my fanboy tenure. I've actually been to Wizard Chicago for the last five years, uh, both as an attendee and as an exhibitor. Uh, but this is my first time out to Comic-Con. Um, whether you've been there or not, I'm sure you've heard the stories. I know I have. Countless celebrities walking the floor, industry pros coming out of the woodwork, exhibitors as far as the eye can see, and scantily clad booth babes without end. Uh, yeah, I'd heard it all before. Now I've seen it for myself, so I'll try to paint the picture as best as I can. Uh, the convention went down July 20th through the 23rd. Uh, July 20, July 19th was the preview night. Uh, it was held at the San Diego Convention Center. Uh, that's located in downtown San Diego. It's uh, right by the shore there. And once you arrive, uh, you see the support that San Diego does provide for this for the convention. Uh, banners all over the downtown areas, uh, bus ads everywhere promoting the events, and the place is is huge. Uh, it's kind of hard to miss. Uh, it's got a huge lobby area that runs the length of the convention center and then there's the hall itself and there's an upstairs area that's designated for meeting rooms uh, but San Diego just is very supportive of it and it makes sense considering that the con has been there since the 1970s uh, the convention is just about everything comics, fantasy, sci-fi, uh, video games, movies, animation uh, so it caters to just about every fanboy need that you can imagine. Now as far as 2006, uh, San Diego Comic Con was definitely the year of the anniversary. Saw a number of fanboy staples uh, celebrating. You had The Flash celebrating his 50th anniversary, Star Trek their 40th, Dark Horse their 20th, Dick Tracy, the big 75, Gumby, good old Gumby at number 50, Universal Monsters, Frankenstein, the Werewolf, at 75, Space Ghost, 40, and Archie was celebrating his 75th anniversary. Uh, I even had the privilege of contributing to the Khan souvenir book with a Space Ghost pinup and an article about the character. Uh, but it was really cool that the convention took some time uh, through their souvenir book, through some of their events and their programs uh, to celebrate all of these great... Uh, just great fanboy things that have been around forever that we all know and love, uh, and I guess that includes Gumby. Uh, but aside from the anniversaries, there were the requisite celebrities. Uh, that's the big difference between San Diego and some of the other conventions. It's the proximity to Hollywood, and with that, you get the celebrities. Uh, you get the exclusive premieres and the previews. As far as celebrities, you had Samuel Jackson uh, promoting, of course, Snakes on a Plane, you had the RZA, Nicolas Cage, Jason Statham, John Favreau, Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, Seth Green, Gerard Butler, uh, the great, the legend Ray Bradbury, uh, Guillermo del Toro. You had Robert Rodriguez, 
So there were tons of people there, uh, A-list celebrities, B-list celebrities, uh, just tons of people from Hollywood, filmmakers and stars alike. And then on top of that, again, like I said, you had the premieres. Uh, you saw Hero, NBC's Heroes. Uh, they actually showed a 70-plus a minute cut of that uh, just to let people see what the show is about. Uh, when I did go to uh, the very the tail end of that program, you could just hear all the applause. So it appeared to be well received. Uh, they also debuted Teen Titans: Trouble in Tokyo, uh, it's the direct-to-DVD movie for the show on Cartoon Network, and should be debuting. I'm guessing on the network very soon. Coming out on DVD soon. It was uh, entertaining to say the least. Can't say I'm the biggest fan of Teen Titans. It was better than just sitting in a hotel with four or five channels of cable. So we did check that out. It was it was all right. It was entertaining. Laugh out loud funny at times. Uh, the convention also premiered The Ultimate Avengers number two. Uh, so that will be coming out on DVD soon. I'm sure it will be on Cartoon Network also. But that was available there to watch. The first episode of Stan Lee's Who Wants to Be a Superhero. That's going to be airing on Sci-Fi. They also premiered few minutes from the upcoming Hellboy animated film. It's called Sword of Stones, uh, Sword of Storms. Apologize, uh, and that should also be on Cartoon Network. Uh, but they showed a few minutes of an animatic, and then they also showed some of the more polished, uh, closer to finished animation, and that looked really great. See, this is why people complain about the San Diego Comic Con because it's not really about comics anymore. It's called the San Diego Comic Con, but. It's more about TV and movies and media properties and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, I guess they just lump us all in. You know, if you're a geek about comics, you'll geek about movies, you'll geek about television shows, you'll geek about animated shows, you'll geek about whatever. I guess there's some truth to that. I mean, it does sound pretty cool. All right, back to Bernie. Showed some teasers and some preview images for Spider-Man 3. That panel was fairly difficult to get into. It did wrap around the convention center, so only a limited amount of people were able to check it out. But I'm sure those that were able to did get to see a few great images, uh, some of which have leaked onto the web. Uh, but still, uh, Sam Raimi obviously knows his audience and wanted to get everyone excited for next year's movie. Also had Afro Samurai. Uh, Afro Samurai comes out from Studio Gonzo. They do a lot of great anime. And Samuel Jackson again appears. He does the voice of the main character. They also had Frank Miller's 300. Uh, director Zack Snyder is working on that one. Uh, his name's attached to Watchmen also. Uh, but they did show some preview images for that. A little a few clips. Robert Rodriguez's and Quentin Tarantino's Grindhouse showed a little bit of that also. Uh, so again, just that proximity to Hollywood uh, just benefits everyone that's able to attend there because you get to see things a little earlier than most. And sure, some of it does get to the internet community, but being able to see it there for the first time, uh, it's just exciting. And it gives you that sense of uh, exclusivity. And then, of course, uh, you got all the industry pros. Uh, the one person that I'll spotlight uh, because you get the typical rogues galleries of people that, of course, come come to this big convention. Uh, the one, but the one person I will spotlight is, and I'll probably butcher his name here, is Kazuo Kuki, uh, K-O-I-K-E. Uh, outside of the butchering of his name, he's you'll know him because he's the creator of Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, 
Crying Freeman and Samurai Executioner. Uh, it was his first Comic-Con appearance, and his work has definitely inspired a generation of creators, including myself. The convention souvenir book had Frank Miller's uh, rendition of Lone Wolf and Cub on the cover. So it was very exciting, and I'm sure a lot of creators were excited to hear him talk and uh, see what inspired him and what has inspired him all these years. Uh, myself, I mean, outside of checking out as much as I could, I was able to take in a Wildstorm panel, find out about their lineup for next year, uh, along with Image. There was the Spike and Mike's Twisted Festival and Animation. Uh, just hard to describe that. You've got tons of shorts, and these animated shorts are twisted. Some of them have a lot of sexual content. Some of them are just out, outright weird. Uh, but it was very entertaining for a few hours. I know I've said this before, but it really bears repeating. There's something just super extra creepy about a bunch of guys sitting in a room together watching animated porn. I mean, not that just watching animated porn isn't creepy enough, but if you're going to do it, at least do it alone, at home, in your basement. That's where porn's supposed to be watched. Uh, let's see here. There were also at the convention uh, the Industry Eisner Awards, so I'm sure that all those are online now, so you can check that out. And there was also a panel, and there was an art display also, commemorating Alex Toth's work and recognizing his impact in comics and animation. Uh, let's see, there was information on the Spirit movie. Find that online. And then, of course, Fox was auditioning for the new Revenge of the Nerds movie. Uh, so if you weren't able to make it out for that one, I'm sure you're beating yourself up. Now, uh acting as the kind of roving reporter for the guys here at Around Comics. I was able to get a few interviews. Uh, you'll hear them soon. I'll just drop a few names here. Ted Mathot, he works for Pixar, and he also does two volumes of his book called The Rose and Isabel. It follows two sisters during the Civil War as they try to rescue their brothers. Uh, Ted was a great guy. He's a great creator, great artist. Uh, and again, he's worked for Pixar, so he's, you know, probably all right as far as day jobs concerned. But he takes the time to create these great books. Uh, I read them on the plane back to Chicago from the convention, uh, and they were great. Uh, you can check out his website. Uh, it's mentioned in the interview, but great stuff. See, the creator of Revere, Ed LaValle, uh, he's the writer, and Grant Bond, uh, he's the artist, and the book comes out from Alias. Uh, he was, Ed was actually nice enough to give me a copy uh, of the book at the airport over in San Diego, so I just wanted to drop his name. Uh, hopefully in the future uh, the guys can get him for an interview. The book looks great. It reads great. It's uh, very interesting to see Paul Revere depicted as kind of a, a Van Helsing uh, Monster Hunter type guy, but a very good, great production values. The artwork is great. And I want to check this out a little bit more. Got to meet Chris Morgan and Kevin Walsh over at San Diego. They're the writers of a book called Salem, Queen of Thorns. Artwork on that one is by a great art artist that I love, Mike Hawthorne. He's done work on Umbra, uh, Three Days in Paris, and for Chris, of course, Queen and Country. And uh, their preview issue of Salem, Queen of Thorns was great. 
Uh, it looks really good. The artwork looks good. The story is very interesting. And you'll hear about that book during one of the interviews. And let's see, one of the interviews that I was not able to get, but something very exciting is Image Comics is going to be releasing the Low Orbit Anthology that includes work from Nick Bradshaw, Sean Galloway, uh, his wife Alina Galloway, and Ryan Odegawa. Uh, something very interesting, something along the lines of flight, and it just looks really good. They had the preview book available at San Diego for free, and uh couldn't wait to snag one of those copies. Uh, so you'll hear a few more interviews. Uh, guys like Jim Mafood, who uh, do a lot of great work. They do the live art shows. They did a live art show there at San Diego uh, during the convention. You hear an interview from comics legend Stan Sakai, creator of Isagi Ojimbo. Uh, he was very generous with his time. Uh, he had a crowd around him. And the few minutes he was able to spare for the interview uh, were welcome. Uh, he's inspired a lot of people, and his character is, is just great. And just the tenure that he's put, the time that he's put into creating uh, this one character is just inspiring for other creators. So that's just about it. I'll let the interviewees kind of talk for themselves and let you get back to that. And uh, I can't wait to look forward to Wizard Chicago. It should be pretty interesting since it's the hometown show. So I'm sure... Chris, Sal, and Tom will try to do it up as best as possible, uh, seeing that it's right here in Chicago in the Windy City. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate listening to me. And let's do uh, the interviews here. Check out their websites. And if you can make it out to San Diego some other time, it's definitely worth it. All right. Well, all right. There's, uh, there's Bernie's little intro recap kind of thing for San Diego Comic-Con. Sounds like he had a lot of fun out there. Uh, really exciting show and so much going on and and uh, you know I, I, I really want to thank Bernie for taking some time out and getting some interviews uh, for the show you know he Bernie's just a, a listener and and a guy we met through the shop and he's also a creator and a writer uh, of comics and and trying to break in into the field and everything and and uh, you know he just offered to do this for us so we really want to say thanks Bernie we really appreciate it we know working a con is a lot less fun than just going there and, and, and trying to enjoy it and having a good time. So we really, Chris, Tom, and I really appreciate you taking some time out of, of the con and, and getting these interviews for us. So, um, oh, and, and oh, I also wanted to mention with Bernie, um, he is going to be at uh, Wizard World Chicago. He has uh, a table uh, there in Artist Alley, uh, actually two tables, 3038 and 3037. So if you want to meet Bernie and tell him what a great job he did on, on the show today, uh, stop by Wizard World booths 3038, 3037, say hi. Uh, but without further ado, let's move on to an interview. I think this first one here is with uh, the guys from Conspiracy Factory, uh, Kevin Walsh, Chris Morgan. Uh, the book is Salem Queen of Thomas, uh, is one of their books that they work on. And Conspiracy Factory is a small studio uh, that puts out some books. So let's uh, let's hear what they have to say. Alright, this is Bernie again, and I'm at the Conspiracy Factory booth with Kevin Walsh and Chris... Chris Morgan. Chris Morgan, doing? awesome, awesome. I uh, just wanted to check out here for the uh, Salem Special Zero issue it is. that you guys have available here for San Diego Comic Con. It's called Salem Queen of Thorns, and Chris and Kevin, you guys did the writing chores on this? We yes. did. Okay, and Matt Hawthorne is the artist. Mike, and Mike yeah. Mike Hawthorne, sorry. And, and Eric did, Swanson did the lettering and the flat awesome. tones. And okay. 
If you guys uh, haven't heard of Mike Hawthorne, he did Umbra. Uh, he's done uh, Three Days in Paris. Queen uh, and Country. Queen and Country, yeah. Uh, Greg Rucka, obviously. So can you guys tell me a little bit about Salem Queen of Thorns? Yeah, you want to you wanna sure. uh Yeah, well, you fill in the blanks that I missed. All right. It's set during the time of the uh, Salem Witch Trials. Uh, but in our history, the people that are being tried are still innocent as they are you know, in reality. Okay. Uh, but witches do actually exist. But they're not the innocent women being you know, pressed or whatever. They don't look like bewitched. They don't look like old pros. They're not people at all. They're demons. They're horrible. They're monstrous. They're huge. And they're very, very powerful and very, very cunning. And our hero is the guy who finds out the truth. He used to persecute these innocent people that are not actually witches. He learns that true witches exist and what they are. He breaks from the church and becomes this sort of lone crusader against actual witches to hunt them down. Very cool. It's like Clint Eastwood in an exorcist movie. Now, did both of you guys think this up, or one of you guys do it, and then yeah. you just started working together? Well, I guess it started as a uh, as just a, a rough concept that I had had, and uh, I talked to Kevin about it, and uh, from that we just bounced out. I mean, that's the great thing about collaborating is, you know, even if you have a nugget of idea, when you get uh, two people together with similar tastes, you know, you get a full entire story in a matter of minutes. And, uh, have you guys had some writing experience in the past that uh, led you to this? Or? We have. Not I mean, in comics, though. Yeah, not so much okay. in comics. Yeah. The first comic. Well, although, to be fair, reading experience, like, yeah. Kevin is a huge uh, comics fan, and okay. I've grown up with them. Okay. So you had an affinity already for the medium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, what have you guys written before in the past? Well, well together, we wrote a... Uh, we wrote several drafts of a script called The Rally at Warner Brothers okay. Pictures, which uh, is coming in 2000. Oh, so it's not yeah. <laughs> we'll see if that ever gets made. That adds development now. It's still up there. Absolutely, yeah. And then we have a number of different specs that we okay. wrote together. Yeah. And Chris, on his own, has done a few uh, scripts. Yeah, I uh, I did. Uh, I started off doing some drafts for SWAT uh, over at uh, Columbia, and then I ended up uh, doing Cellular and. Fast and Furious 3, and actually upcoming Fast and Furious 4 with Vin Diesel, and uh, um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And also, I'm adapting uh, Mark Millar's uh, Wanted for Universal right now. Oh, awesome. Very and, uh, you know, uh, Hud Nolan Brereton's uh, The Psycho for oh. Universal as well. So. Now, did Salem start as a screenplay, or was it always meant to be a comic book? Actually, when, when you mentioned it to me first, it was a comic book. Yeah. And Ironically. Then we started to develop it. We said, you know what? This would be an awesome screenplay. So then we wrote it as a spec screenplay. People dug it, and they loved the uh, horror in it and set pieces. And nobody could afford to make a horror movie that cost that much. It was the most expensive <laughs> horror action movie ever made. That'd be a great quote for a billboard or yes, uh, exactly. for the movie poster. There you go. Yeah. The one that the studio would absolutely go down with. So, uh, <laughs> so they, it was a lot of like, this is really cool. Let us know how it turns out. And uh, So then we... Uh, decided to go back to our roots and, and, and the roots of the idea and make it a comic. And it's been a blast because unlike with movies, you got a hundred different people and the executives you have to deal with. It's just me and Chris and Mike Hawthorne came in with, you know, great ideas. And to us, like, we're done. And just speaking for myself, I was going to say, that's the coolest thing is because normally what we're used to is you put words on a page and there they are, you know, and that's it. And hopefully people get the idea in their mind and, you know, you never can tell if when they're reading the pages of your script, if they're seeing what you intended them to see. Whereas, um, 
with Mike, you know, for him to be able to put what he reads in his head and then actually be able to put it out on a piece of paper and for us to be able to go, that's how you interpreted that. You know, there are so many times in this book where Mike would go, yeah, I can see it this way, and he'd do something and send it to us. And I'd be like, man, that is so much cooler than what we had there, you know? Yeah, we very really, collaborative, very cool. We really looked guy. out to get such a great artist because we knew that we were going to need someone who was really versed in the particular syntax of comics and, and and to just add to it and elevate it uh, visually with the story, you know, because we think visually, but we're not artists. <laughs> and so we would come to him with layouts of, of how we wanted the pages to be laid out. And he'd go, hey, okay. And then he would tweak it or drop this panel or add this or say, well, how about this? And again, always got better with every every element. And we, you know, in terms of uh, getting Mike, you know, originally when we were looking for a, an illustrator or an artist, we had no idea where to go. This is, I mean, we're absolutely new at this. Okay. And uh, so we started looking online. And we met with a lot of people who are great storyboardists, you know, but it was missing, like, a, an atmosphere, an emotion, or the picture wasn't composed right. And or a we sense were, of, like, pace and, you know, yeah. and pace and all that stuff. Now, we're just getting ready to, frankly, settle. And uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Davis, he's the guy who wrote Dukes of Hazzard recently. And he actually has a, um, a comic in the 24-7 New York City Mech uh, okay, compilation yeah, that's yeah. out right now. Yeah. Um, he put us in touch with uh, Ivan Brandon. Okay, sure. And yeah, Ivan, back, yeah. yes, uh, great guy. And uh, and he said, hey, yeah, let me help you out. I know this great guy, you know. And he put us in touch with Mike. And we saw, like, literally the first few pages of his sample stuff, and we're like, that's the guy, you know. So was it something where, I mean, you said you saw his work, he was right, did he read through it, enjoyed the material enough, we decided, all right, this is something I really want to draw. Totally. And how long has it, has it, have you guys been working on this as far as developing it and everything? And well, it depends on which stage you're talking about. I mean, when did we write the Right after comment? you made the map. Then oh, when we started working with Mike Hawthorne, how, how many, it, it went pretty it quickly. It was not long. Okay. And let's put it this way, there actually something really funny happened is, because <laughs> um, Mike is a really busy guy and he totally squeezed us in, you know, and uh, he's got a great, really smart system where his wife charts down every day of the week how many hours he can spend and what days he's working on what, you know? Tuesdays. So we were Tuesdays. Life. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. So Tuesdays, and not only that, he's working with guys who've never done this before, so he's also leading us through the process. So he really he really did a hero's task. But, uh, so we know Tuesdays we're getting pages every week, and we started to notice as the con was getting close, you know, we were talking, it's like, wow, I don't know if this is going to add up. I don't know if we're going to get enough pages in time. So we put a call out, and uh, we're like, Mike, yeah, so, um, you know, this is great stuff, but, like, where's, when are the rest of the inks coming? When are we, you know, we got to get printing and whatever. No and problem. Plenty of time. He's got the, he's looking at the calendar. Yeah. He's like, I got it all worked out. No problem. He's like, okay, so when's the con? It's in August, right? No, no, <laughs> it's not. So he's like, oh, crap. I don't know why I put that down there. So Cut to the totally sucked it up. The and craziest like, July 4th weekend ever. Yes. Uh, he and really went to the match. To his credit, he, like, blew out the family and, uh, you know, and really, really helped us out. I'm, I'm sure his wife tried him in for more family time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely positive. But just the fact that, you know, when it came down to crunch time, that he was willing to stick his neck out for us, that, mm -hmm. you know. And the end result is, you know, we, we got the books, we got great art, it's, all, it's done. So, you know, yeah. all right. thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so tell
tell me a little bit about the, this particular preview? It's the zero issue. Is it a prequel to to the regular story we're going to see, or is it just the, that that first few? It's pages? an intro. It's okay. a it's, it's a, a sample. Like first, first half maybe of the okay. first issue. Okay. About Eleven pages. All right. And what are you guys looking at as far as the length of Salem in total? Uh, well, in an ideal situation, this is kind of an ongoing series in that in our universe, um, there have only ever been 13 witches, and witches are 14 foot tall, you know, horrible elemental bog monsters, and they all have a different aspect. Like, in this first, it's going to be five comics, um, the Queen of Thorns, she gets her power from rose bushes and thorns and spiders, things that live in hedges. Um, and uh, there are other witches, right? Yeah, like there have a, like only a, ever been thirteen. Like a brine witch, you know, with the, the drowned dead, and that everything that the sea has claimed is within her domain. So this is just that introduct, introduction into the Salem world. She is right. the first witch that he has realized exists, and he's going to fight her. And when and if he does kill her, um, her power will spill over into the other twelve. So our poor hero, Elias Hook, every time he kills one of these witches, the other ones get that much stronger. There are fewer enemies, but more potent ones. Yeah. Exactly. So as he reaches through all of these witches, number 13, that's going to be yes. one heck of a fight. Yes. So, gotcha. so this particular story of the Queen, as Chris said, is about a five-issue arc that we're planning. But the whole mythology of Salem and this Elias Hook character hunting the witches is, can span and sustain however many story arcs we like because we've got 12 more witches. When are you looking for uh, the release date for, for the full you know, Queen of Thorns? Uh, that's a good question. We're actually here um, trying to determine whether we're going we're gonna to self-publish or, you know, we've been speaking to some other, uh, you know, image well, those sure. people, yeah, and uh, just going to gauge the interest. And if they, you know, um, if they decide they want to pick it up and put it out, we'll do it as soon as they're slate. As soon as they can slot us in, we, uh, we're ready with scripts and stories and, you know. How's the interest been so far on their end? Have they been, you know, uh... Well, we have we have a meeting actually coming up with them today, so it's uh, it's tough to say. But having having spoken to some of the guys over there uh, casually and formally last night, there seems to be a great interest. So. Good vibes. Coming Very yeah. good vibes. Good people. Good vibes. Willing to take a risk. And I've heard that from you know, so many other independents. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, especially when you're talking about things that aren't superheroes. Right. You know, right. It, it's very it's it's a market that may be driven by superheroes, but they're just a genre in a medium. Right. So it's great to see. You know, sometimes you see it more in the independent world because we have to take that risk to do something that's not cape related right. to get the attention I mean right. but this is very unique it's something that you're not going to see you know on every shelf right. so you would hopefully gravitate towards it if anything for the interest right. but at the same time you know the artwork is just great so and, you guys put a great package there's a best of both worlds scenario too in that you know, we're not trying to get to the really crowded superhero pool but by the same token if you're going to do another genre in comic books horror is you know is established enough that people don't feel they're taking a huge leap, a huge risk to get involved with it. Yep, IDW. They, exactly. That's their library right there. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're gonna and other things like Conan. I was just gonna say as well. You know, these kind of long-standing adventure staples. Like we, you know, we definitely have uh, interest. Uh, I mean, I grew up on Conan. I love Conan. There's only one Conan movie ever. Uh, there was no sequel. Yes, we never talk of the no, sequel. No. What sequel? Grace Jones never happened. What? <laughs> no. It's the Red Sonja prequel. Yes. Keep telling See, there you go. There you go. There you go. But, uh, and, and there are shades of that with our hero, Elias. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gotcha. So
So, uh, shopping this around right now. Working. Can we find anything online so that way we can, uh, you know, generate some? Interest? Well, the, the Queen of Thorns herself, the, the witch in this arc, does have her MySpace page. <laughs> okay. So she she does. Did she just deny everyone his friends? Oh, she or? accepts all his oh, friends. Oh, okay. So. Just knowing that if you offer your friendship, you offer your soul. Okay. You know, there you go. Rolls. But uh, it is amusing. That is uh, a very good trade-off considering I'm actually keeping out of Hollywood. A, she's so. keeping a journal of the con. Okay. But it is uh, www.myspace slash Salem Comic. No, wait. www.myspace.com slash Salem Comic. All right. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for the time, guys. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, it. Buddy. Anything else you guys want to share? Or? Um, you're awesome to come and talk to us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for supporting the book, no man. Problem. Really, uh, I hope really you have a great con. So there you have it. Uh, Kevin Walsh and Chris Morgan from Conspiracy Factory. Uh, their book, Salem, Queen of Thorns. Sounds pretty interesting. I haven't seen it. I saw some preview art online. looked pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, Hawthorne stuff uh, has always been good, so that's no big surprise. But the book sounds interesting. Uh, the only thing I will say, though, you know, if I'm one of those guys, I'm not hanging around the dude who wrote Dukes of Hazard. Sorry, that was just a piece of garbage. Oh, well. I never wrote a movie. Enough of that. Uh, let's see. The next interview that Bernie was able to get was with Chris Mitten and Anthony Johnson, the creators of a book I did a review on a while back called Wasteland. Uh, so let's listen in on these guys. All right, this is Bernie at the Oni Press table, and I'm with Chris Mittens and Anthony Johnson. How are you doing, guys? We're pretty good, thanks. Wait, yeah. Awesome, and you guys are the creators of Wasteland, right? That's Indeed. right. Right. Tell us a little bit about the book. Okay, it's a new ongoing series from Oni Press. Uh, the first issue of which came out uh, a couple of weeks ago now, on the 12th of July. Uh, it's an ongoing post-apocalyptic sci-fi adventure set in a world a hundred years after a uh, world-destroying disaster called the Big Wet, which destroyed most of civilization as we know it, um, and left the world a, a barren, broken and blighted place. And then, uh, so we're a hundred years later and the whole world is just a, a desert and a wasteland. The cities are destroyed, there's no technology anymore. And then uh, the story starts when our main character, Michael, who's a scavenger, he travels the wasteland finding stuff to trade, finds a machine uh, that talks in a strange forgotten language and claims that it can lead uh, him to the fabled land of Ariyasi, which according to legend is where the Big Wet began. But nobody knows what the Big Wet is, nobody's ever found Ariyasi, most people don't even believe it exists. Uh, and he fights uh, and kills a couple of like sand we, they call, we call them sand eaters, like desert dwelling creatures for it. Uh, and then moves on to a small town where he does his trading. But the sand creatures follow him and attack the town. And that's, that's the story of the first issue. Gotcha. And then we go on from there. How long have you guys been working on this as far as development? Uh, He's been doing it for probably, you're looking at his head, but for like 15 years back then. Yeah, I mean, I had the idea like, yeah, about 15 years ago. Actual development about two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. So you ran, did you uh, just run into Chris and he liked the project? Can you guys start working together? You know, we never uh, met before we started working together. No, really? this yeah. con is actually the first time we've met in yeah. person. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So after all the emails and maybe phone calls, it's like the, the first face-to-face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Now, I was familiar with Chris's work from his previous Oni books, like Last Exit Before Tall and The Tomb. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, when James Lucas Jones, my editor, and I were talking about doing Wastelanders long-going series, um, Chris, Chris's artwork just came to mind as like it, uh, that it would be a good fit for the sort of feel and the atmosphere that I wanted for the series. Um, so, and then we worked on the Queen and Country Declassified series together, built up a relationship, and that kind of that cemented it. Really. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah because we I don't know it, was, it seemed we have sort of similar ideas or just tastes in comics and, or, or how it should be told and seen, which is rare and it's nice, you know, when yeah. it kind of clicks, you know. No, yeah, it's, it's true, yeah, we kind of share, uh, we have the same opinions on how a comic should look and how it sh how a page should be put together, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's good, It's uh, it works well. Yeah. And you guys got the first issue out, just came out two weeks ago, correct? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Exactly. Well, it was a week, week and a half. Week and, a half. Yeah. Okay. and it was 48 pages, so you got a double-sized issue, it was only $2.99. That's right, yeah. So you got a great deal there, and there was the 24-page preview online. Uh, 21 page. 21 yeah. page preview, yeah, so people get a really good look at it. Yeah. But obviously, it's a great deal regardless, so I mean, people should be picking it up. How long is the series? Um, it hasn't got a definite length, okay. um, but it's definitely, I mean, it is a true ongoing, and we'll, okay. we'll probably run for maybe five years, something like that, you oh, know, wow. 50, okay. 60 issues. Do you already have an outline, or, or uh, I have what a, you want to do for the next five yeah, years? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a rough outline of the, the whole story. Okay. I have, I know how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, the answers to the big mysteries mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. I do have the answers to that. I'm not making it up. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> As you go along. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the outline is... Pro from how we get from here to there is pretty rough. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have an outline in my head, and I've already, I've already written through issue six, and Chris has finished doing issue three. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you know, we're a ways ahead, and yeah, it's going well. Gotcha. And Chris, you're doing all the line work, the ink work. And yeah, the tones, and everything, everything. Yeah. And it's again, it's been, it's been kind of fun to do all that because it's been a chance to play with things I hadn't been able to play with before, and kind of in a genre I haven't been able to play before, you know, because I like westerns, I like fairy tales, and sci-fi, and it's kind of all mushes all that together. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, Sergio Leone's Mad Max. I mean, it's just yeah. a really good mix of all that spaghetti western, yeah. post-apocalyptic mythology and everything. Yeah, all, all of that is a big influence, you know, it's all, put it all in a big pot, stir it around, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Awesome. Do you guys have a good time so far in San Diego? Yeah. Yeah. Just and tired, but that's how these things go. No, and, sure. You know, but, but yeah, oh, good. a good time. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been good. We've had a lot of people coming by checking out the book and uh, I mean, we've been here at the booth <laughs> a lot okay. <laughs> this weekend. When but yeah, it's, we've had a good comp. Yeah. When can people expect issue number two? Two will be out in about three weeks' time. Yeah. Three weeks? Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, in sort of, yeah, sort of mid-August. Mid yeah. okay. If people want to go online and check out something about Wasteland or find out about you guys, where should they go? They should go to thebigwet.com. Uh, which is the official website for the book. You've got, you can download the preview to issue one. Uh, there are desktop wallpapers, uh, behind the scenes features, Chris's sketchbook, awesome. uh, character biographies. Yeah, you know, loads of stuff. That's got everything you need to know about the book. Got any other cons you guys are going to be at this year? Not in the official. I'm just wandering Chicago because I live there. Oh, but really? okay. just yeah, just I'm gonna be ping ponging around there just to kind of look at stuff. Yeah, just, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The, all the around comics and guys are from Chicago too. So okay, Ooh, wow. yeah, and I'll have some copies. I'll go get up, you know, spread the joy. So, of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot for the time, guys. I hope you guys have a good flight back home. I'll see Thanks. you back in Chicago. Absolutely, man. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, so that was Chris Mitten and Anthony Johnson. Kind of funny that they had never met before. 
uh, that day, <laughs> yet they had done a whole book together, and a pretty good one at that. I wonder if uh, if Mr. Mitten was as surprised to find out that Mr. Johnson is British as I was, because I had emailed with him uh, a while back uh, with the preview, and, you know, obviously had no idea that he was British, um, but he has a wonderful accent, and uh, and he does a pretty darn good book. I think you could tell from that interview who the writer was, though, because the artist just kept going, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, well, what do you expect, artists? Anyway, next up on the docket is uh, the creator of uh, Usagi Yojimbo, which I always have a problem saying that name, but um, Stan Sakai, he's a... Uh, He's dedicated 20 years to this character now, and if you don't know anything about it or, you ha- or you're not familiar with this character, it's it's basically a samurai story, um, very heavily steeped in uh, Japanese culture and history, uh, but it's also a rabbit, um, the the main character, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but is a, a sort of a ronin, a rogue samurai that uh, offers his services as a bodyguard. Um, and very heavily influenced from, I would say, you know, Kurosawa films and uh, The Seven Samurai, that kind of stuff, and also Lone Wolf and Cub, and and there's also a samurai, very famous samurai, a real-life samurai, who I know has influenced a lot of this same work. So, uh, anyway, go check out that work, and in the meantime, let's hear what, uh, what the creator has to say. All right, uh, doing an interview with Mr. Stan Sakai. Uh, Mr. Sakai, I am a great fan of your work, and it oh, is a pleasure you. to you here at San Diego. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Usagi Ojimbo well, and any other work? Usagi Ojimbo is a samurai rabbit. takes place in uh, anthropomorphic feudal Japan, approximately early 1600s. And I've been doing this for, oh, going on 22 years now. Uh, the 100th issue from Dark Horse comes out in December, okay. but uh, if you combine all the other issues I've done for uh, different publishers, it'll be my 160th issue, I think. Okay. Is Dark Horse doing anything uh, extremely special for issue 100? Uh, <laughs> my editor, Diana Schultz, is uh, handling the 100th issue, and she's not telling me what's in it, but she kind of... Uh, Hinted that Frank Miller's involved, Serge Aragonese, and Jeff Smith. Okay, so it's got one, a very great lineup of yeah. great classic artists, so obviously with your work. Uh, what do you, are you strictly working on? You saw your Jimbo, or are there any other projects? Well, I'm also lettering the Spider-Man newspaper Sunday strips with Stan, for Stan Lee. Okay. And, uh, oh, work with Serge Aragonese. I just finished uh, lettering his solo book from DC, and we're set to start off on the Drew Meets Conan book for Dark Horse. Great. And uh, right here you've got a few prints for sale, obviously some of the issues for Usagi Ojimbo. Is that family with you also drawing it? Uh, Yes. Okay, so the talent runs in the family Uh, too, right? It does. Okay. It was a pleasure to meet you, sir. Thank you for the Short and sweet, much like Stan himself. Um, fantastic creator. Uh, like I said before, he's been doing it for 20, 22 years and, and just dedicated to it and great work. Very excited to see that 100th issue. Um, if you haven't checked out any of his work before, go check it out. He's he's definitely worth taking a gander at. I, uh, I wasn't even aware he was doing the newspaper stuff, the Spider-Man stuff with Stan Lee. I, uh, I wasn't even aware of that. Wow. Now I'm going to have to go back and, and check out some of that. Uh, Alrighty, next up on the list of 
interviews is going to be a gentleman by the name of Felipe Smith, who does a, a manga book called MBQ for Tokyo Pop. Uh, let's check in with Felipe Smith and see what he and Bernie had to talk about. All right, here back in San Diego with Felipe Smith, the creator of MBQ. Felipe, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm, I'm Felipe Smith, and uh, I draw a book called MBQ about life in Los Angeles uh, with a lot of characters from different walks of life and uh, different aspirations in this life we live. So, what do, you, what do you need to know about my book, man? All right, so we got two volumes out, right? Yeah, that you got volume, volume, one, volume two. two. When did volume one drop? Volume one dropped uh, last year around June or July. Okay. And volume two dropped this year in April. Okay. When did, how did the idea come in your head, the whole thing? Uh, well, basically, when I came out to LA, I wanted to be an animator, and they told me that the content, my work's content was not suitable for animation in the States, because I don't do stuff for kids, so... And now I don't think I could ever run out of stories, because people are the most interesting subject, and after all, most people don't think about this, but the actual audience are people, so if you write about them, they will be more interested in the work you have to do. And this is something writers and artists need to wake up to. Think about your audience. Think who you're writing for. If you're writing for kids and you do, you know, fantasy stuff that's for kids with no cursing and nothing, you know, you know, too violent happening, that's good if your kids are going to read it. If you're in an industry where 70% of the readers are adults, why are you not having cursing in the books and why are you only having, you know, themes that are for kids when kids aren't reading it? That's what needs to change. I'm writing for grown-ups. Grown-ups have heard, you know, potty mouth people walking around. They've seen things. Uh, most grown men have seen a pair of breasts. If I put it in a book, you should not be horrified. After all, that's the first thing we see when we're alive is a pair of breasts. That's how we get to be adults. It's called breastfeeding. So if you get, if you get scared or offended at the kind of things that you see in my book, you're obviously not an adult. I'm sorry, I'm not writing for you. There you go. You're writing for yourself, right? Yeah. No, I'm writing for other adults like myself. Yeah, but you're writing about stuff you want, you oh, like, stuff you I'm enjoy. definitely writing about things I need, I think I need to communicate to other people. There and I go. think they'll understand and find funny. So. Uh, and you got through, you go through Tokyo Pop. Yeah. Alright. And you got Volume 2 that just came out recently. Recently, yeah. Well, how's the reception been for Volume 2? Uh, volume 2, actually, Volume 1 got a really good review from Publishers yeah. Weekly. Uh, it was on the list of best comics in 2005, so even though nobody knows who the heck I am, you know, somebody's reading my stuff, so it's cool. And actually, other places, IGN.com and Play Magazine, like, oh, people are giving me support, but I need more important support from the readership. People read MBQ Volume 1 and 2, and maybe I'll bring 3 through, and it rhymes. That's how I do. What, how many times have you been to San Diego now? I've been to San Diego... Five times? Five times. I've been meeting with my Chicago crew. There you go. I went to school in Chicago, so, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Every year it gets better. I've only been here for one day now, and it's already out of control. So I like this convention a lot. It's a good way to, you know, have contact with the uh, audience and possible future readers. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Then, like, all right, so you got the Tokyo Pop. Do people ever, like, give you any, any shit or anything about, like, you know, the fact that this is more adult and then Tokyo? Probably a little bit more like things like fruit baskets Definitely. And, and just things that are more you almost seem like the target audience is the 14 year old girl right. that goes into Barnes and Noble and drops a 
1999. This is obviously not for the 14 year old girl. I'm, I'm definitely Tokyo Pop, one of Tokyo Pop's hardest sell sales. Like, ah, is that not even English? It's really hard for Tokyo Pop to sell my book compared to books like, uh, you know, Boots Basket, which is their bestseller. And 70% of the readership in the US for manga is made up of girls. So, my book is for anybody, but they need a certain level of, mat of matureness. And, uh, which is not the same for other books. So it is hard for them, but no, actually I, I don't uh, experience any kind of uh, any kind of problems or friction from Tokyo Bob, actually. They, they really do support me in what I do. Uh, I think I've just given them a hard time in terms of, uh, you know, reaching an audience. They don't know, maybe they don't know what audience they're supposed to reach with my stuff. I know what audience. Anybody who's ready to see somebody, something different. Yeah, it's like Tokyo Pop saw the value in the book, because if not, it wouldn't have the Tokyo Pop logo on it, right? Yeah. So, but I guess the second part is, like you were saying yesterday, you don't really get too many people that come at you and say, this is a bad book. I mean, no, you get, actually, you get no, the people who just may not know about it, and then you get the people that love it. So it's like that weird polarized audience. It's not people that don't like it and people that love it. It's people that just don't know about it. People just don't know about it. Uh, people who do find out about it, I actually, was, the cool thing is people actually go through trouble writing me emails, telling me how much they like the book. So that makes me very happy. Anybody who's reading and sending me email, I really appreciate the support. Thank you very much. And every day, you know, it makes me want to do it harder. So I'm not going to stop. And to any creators out there who have problems with me, don't step up to my booth if you don't want to get knocked out, fool. And we can find you at San Diego booth number. No, seriously. Uh, I think some uh, some other artists uh, get offended at what they read in my book sometimes because the main character, Omario, is a comic book artist who does not want to draw any of the themes in comic books that are popular. Uh, he doesn't want to draw superheroes or robots or ninjas or schoolgirls or dragons. He doesn't want to do any of those things. And uh, the first thing I have to clarify is I'm not Omario. My name is Felipe Smith. Omario is a character I created. He's a fictional character. Um, don't have beef with me. You want to have beef with a fictional character, go right ahead. Secondly, the fact that I want to do something different means that if I am successful at doing that, a lot more people have a chance of doing things than they do right now at this moment where, you know, the industry already has pretty much singled out one genre as, as, as what mainstream is. Uh, if anything, I'm your most powerful, hardcore ally in the battle against artistic creativity and self-expression. So everybody, doors, yeah. Yeah. busting down doors. Be quiet. If you don't know what MBQ is, read it first. You'll probably read it, and then maybe you'll hate me until you meet me, and then you'll be like, yo, this dude's got energy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you can still not be with me after that. I will take you out. <laughs> you hear me? Philippe's a big guy, guys. He can, he can take you out. No, I was going to say, it's like, it seems like some of the things you see, too, is like in, in superhero yeah, world. Yeah, right? I'm 8 foot 2. I weigh 425 pounds of pure muscle. He's an Amazon hovering over you. Listen, I'm just a human being. I got mad friends. <laughs> and they're all good people. And they're big too. And they're all big. They're Yo, <laughs> we kick ass or what? <laughs> I'll say, like, some, some of the stuff you see, like, maybe the criticism you get, it's like same thing people in comics. You know, they, they go outside of not doing superheroes, and then they get, you know, ha you know they get feedback because they're saying, well, it's not superheroes, so I may not like it. Maybe it's the same thing, kind of like in the mind. 
manga world because you got the digest and everything, and you've got other creators that are just not used to seeing something this raw, this energetic, this truthful. Right. And they're thinking, all right, well, it's supposed to be for 14-year-old girls. It's not supposed to be as real as this because you're almost you're, you're tapping into something that right. I think artists get, which is the frustration that you want to draw what you want to draw, right. but you've got an editor and obviously that's paying your your rent that's saying draw this, and it's just like years of you know you yeah. know Mario that's developing and I'm sure it's got a little bit of you but oh, yeah. it's still Omario that's kind of representing a lot of artists that are saying I'm tired of it. You know? and the thing is it is hard and it, it is going to be a battle for all of us. It always will be because if you want to change things you know change only comes with a lot of effort. But the thing is you got to keep the positive note in everything you do. And they're going to have a lot of people that are going to tell you you know you're not ready or your style doesn't fit something or your ideas or you know are not what they're looking for. That's fine. As long as you're passionate about it you keep doing it. That's what you do. And as long as you keep on your steady hustle, you'll eventually get somewhere. That's the That's one the thing you it. can never mistake about Philippe. <laughs> the hustle is there, but the passion is all over. It's very obvious. <laughs> so, alright, so you're in San Diego all four days? Yeah. Alright. Here to Sunday. So after San Diego's over, where can we find out about your work, find out about MBQ, email you so we can, yeah. you know, tell you how much we love the book? Yeah, well I got a website, it's felipesmith.com. Felipe is F-E-L-I-P-E for anybody who's not sure how to spell my name. And then uh, I'm also on MySpace, which is good, because I get to post videos on it. So it's just, you know, myspace.com backslash Felipe Smith. And, you know, there's an MBQ group on MySpace for some reason, which is awesome. So uh, go on there. If you have the books, post your full body photo, hold in my two books, and I'll draw you. And, uh, and yeah, and then just on the internet, just Google me and you find ridiculous stuff. People getting angry, so it's awesome. <laughs> so are you working on MBQ3 right now? Yes. Yeah, yeah volume 3 should be out in April. Um, but I'm never... I'm never content with one thing, so I'm thinking about other stuff too. Okay, so you got Just, some other stuff working. Yes, I do, right. and whatever it is that comes out, please expect the unexpected. That's right. how I do. Nice. Well, I guess it was only a matter of time before we got our first gangster rapper, comic book creator. It's kind of funny. Uh, I guess this maybe is the next generation of, of creators. You know, you had Lee Field and Lee and and uh, McFarlane and those guys and and acting like rock stars now you got you know you got something like this yo 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 this is Felipe Smith coming at you from Death Row Comics you better buy my first two volumes or I even won't put the third one out motherfucker that's right you better buy my shit or else now the posse's gonna come and get you don't even think about fucking fronting me motherfucker I will come after you oh yeah and always look for the unrecognizable yeah peace out this shit is wrong just kidding Felipe Anyway, our next interview is with Jim Mafood. Uh, Jim's worked for a lot of different companies, including Marvel, on some Spider-Man stuff. Uh, he did some stuff for Oni Press. He has his own company called uh, Forty Ounce Comics. So let's listen in to Jim Mafood. All right, this is Bernie again, and I'm with Jim Mafood. Uh, Jim, why don't you say a little something to the people here? Hello, people. Um, chilling in San Diego. Uh, 2006. It's Friday. We're doing our big uh, funk party tonight downtown. Me, Scott Morse, um, really good DJs, and uh, just here rocking stuff at the convention and having a good time. Cool. So you're having a good time at the convention so far? Oh, yeah, always. Oh. Uh, how many times have you been to San Diego? I've been coming here since 97, so it's been almost 10 years. All right. And what do you got pimping here at the table? Um, I have the brand new Clerks bootleg, which is the black and white version of the new Clerks book I just did with Kevin. I have a uh, uh, brand new t-shirts, I have a new mini comic, new button set, and 
and the new Stupid Comics trade paperback, which came out like two months ago, but it's still pretty new. Awesome. That was through Image, right? Yes, sir. Okay. What are you working on right now um, that you can say? Right now, I... I oh, yeah. You're welcome. Uh, right now, I just finished doing a bunch of art for the Sarah Silverman show at Comedy Central. My friend Rob Schraub, uh, who did Scud, mm-hmm. uh, the comic book, is directing the show. Awesome. And um, I did a bunch of art for that, and um, basically just freelancing right now, doing illustration work, um, kind of gearing up for my next comic project, which I don't really know what it is yet. But okay. I'm planning a couple different things and, and, and talking to different publishers and different people and trying to line up something, but gotcha. it's coming. All right. You know? And then obviously, uh, outside of Spider-Ham that everyone wants you to draw, yeah. let me ask you this. If there was anything you would draw that no one expect you to say you would want to draw, what would that be? Right. Um... Wow, it's kind of hard. Uh, maybe Wonder Woman. Okay. That'd be pretty kick-ass. Just because I did a Wonder Woman drawing today, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. But I would do it in my totally weird, like, tripped-out style. Oh, in your style, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have anything to do with, like, what Wonder Woman is about. Or oh, whatever. no, sure, you know, sure, yeah. It'd it be a total Mapud product. Yeah, right? it would just be my excuse to do some weird stuff. Awesome. Well, so. Jim, thanks for saying. You, where can we check out your stuff online? Oh, uh, 40OunceComics.com, and also... MySpace.com backslash MoFood and I know I've been saying this for like a year but I actually have a new person redesigning my 40 on site right now okay. and a brand new one will be up in hopefully like a month awesome. it's all new everything okay. artwork photos and probably a store where people can check yes. out some of your stuff yes. and awesome sweet so you won't deny my friend to be uh, on MySpace either? no no of course not <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and just a disclaimer Jim is one of my friends yes I'm a whore I'll take anybody's friend there you go. Space. He's willing to give it up for free. Yeah. He's the old man on the corner, give it away for nothing. Well, I don't know about nothing, but if you buy me a sandwich. There you go. Sandwiches, people. Sandwiches. Or maybe some coffee. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jim. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Wow. Uh, kind of finding out more about Jim Food than I want to. Hmm. Anyway, um, we have a MySpace page, too. It's um, myspace.com slash aroundcomics. Check it out. Be our friend, our imaginary friend. We have like 400... I don't know who any of them are. Well, some of them are my family, but otherwise. Um, what else? Okay, I think our last interview was with a gentleman called Ted Mathot, or Mathot? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, he does a book called Rose and Isabel. Uh, volumes 1 and 2 are out right now, so let's, uh, let's listen in on uh, Ted and Bernie. All right, this is Bernie again. I'm with Ted Mathot, and here at San Diego, and he has Rose and Isabel. Uh, Ted, can you tell us a little bit about the books? Well, it's an American Civil War story about a Virginian family whose three sons go off to fight for the Union Army, and uh, they go missing, so the two sisters go off into the deep south to find them and bring them home. Okay. Is, uh, are you trying to do something historically accurate, or is it more along the lines of your interpretation of, uh, of their journey? Well, it's historical fiction, but I tried to, you know, do as much research as I could because there's so much information out there about the Civil War, you know, so I tried to put in as much as I, I could, you know. Oh, no, but absolutely. still, there's a lot of artistic license. Gotcha. And you've got Volume 1 and Volume 2. Volume 2 was just released for the San Diego, yeah, is that right? it just came out. Okay, yeah. and Volume 1? Volume 1 came out last year. Last year? I was okay. going to do one big book, Okay. but, uh, you know, wasn't able to get it done in time for last year's con, so I just split it. Gotcha. And, uh, now 
the second part's out. Gotcha. And then there is no third volume. It's one and two, so it, the complete story is right here on your table, right? For now. For now. Okay. Yeah. So that's the teaser. Yeah. After for you read part two, you'll, you'll get an idea of what could possibly happen. Okay. And uh, not to say that Rose and Isabel is not exciting. Could you tell us about your day job? Uh, well, I do storyboards for Pixar. Okay. Um, small little company does a few things. Small little company in Emeryville. Okay. Yeah. So this you, you just find to do in your spare time then when you're not working with them? Yeah, it's just like, you know, a creative outlet for myself to, you know, get my own, get the ideas out of my head and, you know, out there. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Did you want to tell anyone about a website, somewhere where they can check out your work or read about Rose and Isabel? Um, I have a blog. Uh, it's, uh, there you go. Nice and simple. Awesome. Thanks for the time, Ted. Who are these guys? You know, it, it amazes me that you find these people, and I think Mike Norton was talking about this a little bit with us last week. It's like people find in their spare time uh, enough boredom to just go out and do a comic or learn how to paint or, you know, oh, I'm learning French. You know, what do you do in the day? Oh, I'm a systems programmer for IBM, but at night I wrote this comic book about lesbian pirate werewolves and I just threw it together and now someone just optioned it Paramount optioned it for $425,000 God I hate my life <sighs> thanks Bernie no seriously though thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your con for getting all these great creators on and, and uh, giving us something to listen to we uh, we really do appreciate it and thanks to all the creators uh, that uh, that gave us or gave Bernie their time to, uh, to talk about their work. Um, that's it from San Diego. That's it from Bernie for now, our intrepid reporter, Bernie Gonzalez. Um, if you're looking for more from Bernie, he will be at Wizard World Chicago this year. Check uh, check out his booth. I think it's 3027, 3028, 3037, I don't know. Look on your map. You'll find it. Um, and that's about it. So now it is time for Wire to Wire comic book news. Top headlines for the week of July 24th, 2006. My Chemical Romance frontman Gerard Way teams with artist Gabriel Ba and James Jean to create a 662 comic book series titled The Umbrella Academy, coming out from Dark Horse Comics. It tells the story of Sir Reginald Hargreaves world-renowned scientist and inventor, intrepid adventurer, successful entrepreneur, champion cricketer, and closet space alien. There is no firm release date for Umbrella Academy at the moment, though there are strong possibilities that the first issue won't surface until mid-2007. Lost in the bright lights by some at San Diego Comic-Con were the announcements that DC is working on film versions of both Dead Man and Doom Patrol. As first reported in The Hollywood Reporter, Guillermo del Toro is teaming up with Don Murphy's Angry Films to bring cult DC comic superhero Dead Man to the big screen for Warner Brothers Pictures. Del Toro is in negotiations to develop the comics-to-film adaptation, which would be produced by del Toro, Murphy, and Susan Montford. A search for writers is underway. Meanwhile, according to Carity.com, Warner Brothers Pictures is giving new life to DC Comics' cult favorite, Doom Patrol, about a band of superheroes with freakish powers, with Akiva Goldsman producing the big screen adaptation through his Warner's-based Weed Road Pictures. The studio has hired Adam Turner to pen the screenplay. 
Apparently things are a little too dark in the X-Universe. Writer Jeff Parker is seeking to reverse that trend a little by revisiting the original X-Men team. The series is called X-Men First Class. This is the happy X-Men before everyone started having problems, said Parker. The early issues of the series kept saying the X-Men should have a vacation, so I'm giving them one. They go to South Florida and run into the Wizard. The series is planned to tell tales that are in continuity with the original stories published 40 years ago. I'm not going to do anything to set off your continuity buttons. Not much anyway, said the author. Frank Miller has been announced as writer and director for the film adaptation of Will Eisner's The Spirit, which likely won't reach theaters until 2008. Miller, along with longtime Eisner friend Dennis Kitchen and producer Deborah Dell, discussed the film at the San Diego Comic-Con. Miller made it clear that in no way did this movie come to him by chance. In fact, as soon as Frank learned of the film, he became determined to write and direct the project. I'm not going to let anyone else touch this thing, Miller said. I won't be taking the spirit far from its source. Kitchen had no qualms with the often R-rated Miller taking on the less risque spirit. Frank loved and respected Will, Kitchen explained, joking, and I'm sure the cannibal scenes will be respectful. IDW announced they will be releasing collections of the Dick Tracy strip, all of the popular fanographics, Peanuts, and Dennis the Menace format. The collections will have introductions from consulting editor and Dick Tracy expert Max Allen Collins. Collins has written several Dick Tracy appearances and is excited about the new collections of the original source material. Each volume will feature book design from award-winning designer artist Ashley Wood. Andy Parks talks about his new written work, Blood Red, a black-and-white original graphic novel coming from Oni Press in 2007. Blood Red is a revenge tale set on Mars about 80 years in the future, he explained. It's the story of a man who feels he has nothing left to live for and dedicates himself to vengeance. It's going to be a dark and violent story. We're going to look at what hate does to the human spirit, what impact a life of violence has on a person who was once an average man. I want the reader to be thinking, you know, in just the right set of circumstances, I might find these dark things inside myself too. Check out Blood Red by Andy Parks at Oni Press in 2007, and make sure to check out his other work at Oni, Capote in Kansas, available now. Finally back in print, Matt Wagner's Grendel, as few have seen him before. For 25 years, the true origin of Matt Wagner's Eisner Award-winning anti-hero Grendel has remained largely unseen. Until now, these early issues were only available for top dollar prices in online auctions or bag and board collector shops. A successful novelist by day, Hunter Rose becomes the unstoppable assassin Grendel by night. Containing Primer Number 2 and Grendel 1 through 3, originally published by Comico, this new collection is an essential piece of comics history and represents the earliest work of Matt Wagner, the legendary creator behind such acclaimed projects as Mage, Sandman Mystery Theater, and Batman the Monster Men, among many others. 
With new cover art by Wagner, the original Grendel is a must-have for all who count themselves among the Legion of Grendel fans and the ultimate starting point for those interested in one of the most influential independent comics of the last quarter century. Matt Wagner's original Grendel arrives in stores in early 2007 with a cover price of $14.95. In your top headlines. For the full version of these and other stories, go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics news, reviews, and opinions. Those are your top comic book headlines for this week. Thank you, Chris, for putting that together. See, we couldn't couldn't do a show without at least a little Chris. Chris always does the news, and he always does such a, a great job of putting that together. Very exciting. Uh, lots of good stuff in the news. I'm not going to go over it all like we normally do, because who the hell wants to hear just me? Uh, but, uh, you know, there's some good stuff coming out. Dead Man, Doom Patrol, movies being worked on, uh, that Blood Red uh, book from Andy Parks. If you haven't read uh, Capote in Kansas, fantastic work. It's uh, it's basically um, sort of a historical fiction piece based on the time that uh, Truman Capote spent in Kansas researching his book uh, In Cold Blood, which was one of the, I think, the first sort of real uh, f- uh, non-fiction murder mystery books that were ever written. It was it revolutionized. Anyway, but uh, Capote in Kansas is a, is a fantastic work, and I, I can't wait for that uh, blood red from Andy. Um, and uh, what else? The Grendel trade paperback coming out, Matt Wagner's first work, fantastic stuff. There's just... keep Every month it's like there's something else i got to buy, and uh, over and above my normal comic book allotage. Um... Well, I think uh, that's that'll wrap up the news section. I'm going to do an abbreviated top of the stack, so let's move on to that. Top, top of the, top stack. Of the stack, 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 stack. That's right, top of the stack. Uh, our chance to let you, the listeners, know what, uh, well, I guess what I've been reading. Hmm. What have I been reading lately? Lots of stuff. I read too much almost every week. I barely have time to do it. But let's see some of the highlights from this week. Let's start with 24/7. The uh the huge anthology piece put together by Ivan Brandon. Um it's just an enormous list of talent. Uh Adam Hughes, Matt Fraction, Johnny Nevriber, Isad Rebic, uh Alex Malie, Becky Cloonan. The list just goes on and on and on and on. Um, it's basically a huge compilation of stories. Um, the the thing that binds them all together, it's all about robots. Um, and they're completely different in telling, all of them. There's really no uh, thread keeping them together beyond the fact that they're robots. But it's an, a really terrific work. The, the artwork in it is just awesome. The stories are great and I love anthologies. This one's a little it's a little pricey. It's 20 uh, 24.99. It's put out by Image Comics, but uh if you're looking for something to uh take you away a little bit from 
the normal fare, uh, I suggest uh, picking it up. It's, it's a great read. Uh, what else? What else did I read this week? Um, New Avengers, number 22, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, he's been doing this uh, the last couple issues. Last issue was uh, an individual. This is a Civil War tie-in. Uh, he's he's doing individual members of the Avengers. Last week it was Captain America with a guest artist of Howard Chankin. This week it is Luke Cage with the uh, guest artists of uh, Le- I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Lenel Yu. Um, and this is a great story. Uh, Luke Cage is one of my favorite characters. I grew up reading Power Man and Iron Fist and, and just loved it. Um, this story deals with how Luke is handling and making a decision about the uh, the the here uh, superpower registration act. Um, it is a very sort of serious story in 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 the regards of you know now that Luke's a father, um, he has a wife and he's a different person than he once was, and how he decides to deal with this situation. I just thought it was great. Bendis, you know, no, no offense to Bendis. I'm, I'm a big Brian Michael Bendis fan, but I honestly don't think his strengths are in telling team stories. I, I think he deals with individual or maybe one or two characters much better than he does uh, large groups. I, I like New Avengers, um, but I really like what he's doing with the individual stories, and this one was no exception. Uh, next, uh, Sidekicks. Paul Jenkins, Chris Moreno, put out by Image Comics. This is number two, Sidekicks, number two of five. It's a miniseries. Uh, this is just a hilarious little book. Um, it's about a character who is the sidekick for uh, this town's um, greatest superhero. And this greatest superhero is very, you know, Superman-esque, but uh, to the ridiculous. Um, he's an idiot, and the sidekick has to sort of do everything around his back to uh, to try and, and survive. And wh- what he has decided to do to try and make a living is become the sidekick for other heroes um, to disguise himself and, and have multiple jobs as other hero sidekicks. And it's just really, really hilarious and funny and outrageous. Um, oh, Daredevil, number 87. If you haven't read it, if you haven't been reading Daredevil... If you've never read Daredevil, pick up the you know from the Brubaker start. It's just so good. Um, this first arc of Daredevil, written by Brubaker and uh, art by Michael Lark, it, it's just blown me away. And this this last issue of this first arc, just is the cherry on the top of it of, of a fantastic story. Um, Ed Brubaker is just becoming my favorite writer right now, and, and Daredevil is just awesome awesome stuff um what else what else what else the american way number six of eight uh this book almost lost me i've been i had been reading it this is a book um set in uh 1960s uh u.s it's uh not really our uh history but obviously a fan fantasy history but it's set in the 1960s it's um superheroes being controlled by the government and and sort of thing but what sets this off from some stuff that maybe it sounds familiar to is that this really deals with the civil rights issues of the 60s and how that would affect a group of superheroes and politicians and and uh, like I said the last couple issues I wasn't really happy with 
for various reasons, but this one was extremely well written, um, and I really, really did enjoy it. So you may want to check out American Way. Uh, Astro City Special, uh, Kurt Busiek, and uh, covered by Alex Ross, art by um, uh, Oh Anderson, Jeff. An- I think, no, what's his name? Not Jeff Anderson. Jeez, I can never remember it. Um, Brent Anderson, uh, the artist who's been doing the Astro City stuff for a long time now. Uh, this is just a one-spot, uh, one st- one-shot special um, set in the Astro City world, starring the Samaritan and what appears to be his biggest arch nemesis that I've never seen before. But there's reasons for that, and the story goes into their history and and the sort of stalemate that these two characters have created for themselves because they've decided that neither one of them at this point has the ability to defeat the other. Um, they're both still trying to figure out a way to do it, but at this point there's no, there's almost no point to it because they're each so powerful that all they're going to end up doing is destroying the planet, so they have this sort of detente between them. And It was an interesting, interesting little story. And what else? Uh, Captain America number 20 came out last week. Ed Brubaker, Steve Epting, um, 20, uh, 20th, 21st Century Blitz Part 3. Um, once again, if you haven't been reading Cap, this may be... Brubaker's run on Cap is probably the best Captain America run I've ever read. It's just so good. Um, if you're a fan of Cap at all, you should be reading this. And finally, uh, Gilbert Hernandez's uh, Sloth. Uh, it's a hardcover trade that came out from Vertigo. Um, it's If you're familiar with Gil- Gilbert Hernandez's Love and Rockets, this is something completely different from him. It's not set in that uh, sort of world or anything. This is set more in a uh, uh, modern-day sort of romance with a kid whose band is named Sloth, but ironically he is very sloth-like himself. Um, Gilbert Hernandez just is a master storyteller. Uh, a lot of people may look at his art and say, well, it's not that great. Um, but if you look at it a little bit further and and really look at the storytelling and crafting that he does with it, uh, the symbolism, the imagery that he can can really portray in a story and his ability to convey such real emotion and real thought in characters put in very sort of unrealistic situations or fantastical situations. So if uh, if you've liked anything by him before, uh, I highly suggest it. So um, that's about it that I'm going to talk about. Uh, that's what I've been reading this week. If you'd like more, go on our website. You can certainly talk about anything you've liked this week or previously or what's coming up uh, about comics. That's www.aroundcomics.com. And that will be top of the stack. Well, that uh, that's about it for me, guys. Uh, thank you for listening every week, and we really do appreciate it. You guys are great. Um, we wouldn't do this otherwise. Uh, personally, I'd like to thank Chris and Tom. Uh, you know, those guys make this so much fun to do every week, and it really, really is boring without them. Uh, and thanks to Bernie once again and all our interviewers, and I think that's going to be about the show. Although, I am going to leave you with something a little special. 
Um, a couple weeks back, uh, Chris, Tom, and I, and Mark from the store recorded an episode. Uh, it was going to be a midweek episode, and the topic was supposed to be about secret identities. Well, things didn't work out so well, and at the end of it, we had decided not to air it because it was, well, kind of a disaster. I am going to air here some snippets from the show, and you can decide to yourself if we made the right decision. So here are uh, here are episode, the lost episode uh, gag file. Here you go. Thanks again, guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. I think, from I think Wizard we World. should talk about the fact that Tom recently purchased a stack of comics from Dark Tower Comics, and it was it was about a foot and a half high of quarter comics, <laughs> including such gems as Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew, uh, the Thing, Thing and Rom, and, Rom. <laughs> and then on the very top of the stack, he had the latest issue of Astonishing X Men. <laughs> so it was just this giant it's like hiding everything yeah, on average. Um, so anyway, um, secret identity. Have an exact count. It's forty-three quarter books. Forty-three quarter books. <laughs> forty-three quarter books. Good <laughs> lord, caterers. So that's X-Men. and astonishing X Men. Twenty dollars. Twenty. One dollars and no. It's less. It's like eleven. Oh bucks. yeah, it's like eleven. Well, my math sucks. I never was in. Well, okay. oh 11, yeah. Like 11. no one wants to read what the thing has to do with Rom. For twenty five cents, come on. <laughs> Should we change what we're talking about from, from secret books. identity to quarter books? We can talk about quarter bucks. What are we about Rom Space Knight too? Uh, about Thing no. versus Sasquatch. Come, um, oh, come on, you don't want that. No. Hey, you don't you, want to see what happens. You found you found an Eternals in there. <laughs> yeah, Eternals <laughs> number one was in there. Yeah, was, that was, that a, was that a Marvel two and one? That's Thing and American Eagle. When God <laughs> Marvel two and one, I knew it. <laughs> see, I knew that issue. American That's a Eagle. Issue. <laughs> He is a classic. He is a classic Native American superhero, <laughs> sir. Well, yeah. there's only been like three. So Thunderbird, uh, Warbird, Warbird. Uh, they're trying to kill him off. Who as is American Eagle? American Eagle, American Eagle secret identity. Identity. They got their right. hands around Wyatt Wingfoot. White. Wyatt Wingfoot. Well, yeah, Wingfoot. All Moonbeam or what was it? Man from New Mutants. Moon, Moonstar? You guys, Moonstar. you guys are killing no, me. No, Moon Morningstar. No, some Morningbeam. No. I'm trying all the combos here. What was her name from New Mutants? What? Uh, the one that could... Uh, Mirage. Uh, Mirage, yeah. But she changed her name to... Like, Daniel Moonstar. Moonstar. Yeah, Daniel Moonstar. There you, go. There, she you was, go. Yeah, there you go. She was probably the hottest. And isn't she dead yet? I don't know. No, she's not. Plenty of time. Good. Okay. What? Plenty of time. <laughs> but yeah. but you're right. That That's that's the whole mystique of, of the cape and cow is that whoever you are from whatever walk of life... Which Spider-Man has cha- neither cape nor cow. But I get what you mean. The mask <laughs> is that no matter no matter webby things under his arm. Well, I think it was Nietzsche who said. No, oh. <laughs> just kidding. Good lord. No, actually, I was thinking about um, not to get too literate, but um, trans. Too late. What? Uh, uh, Transmat. No, not a comic book, an uh, actual book. Okay, now we're giving uh, him credit here because um, he's just fumbling. Yeah, I am fumbling. It's uh, that one transformation <laughs> by. Oh, the G. Gordon Liddy. No, good lord, God, I can't believe I can't think of it. What? What happens in Lua, it? He turns into a cockroach. Oh, Le- it's Leo Kafka. Oh, uh, Kafka. 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 Oh, yeah, that was Leo Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, thank you. We are moderately educated. Yeah, I just couldn't <laughs> think of the, you know, I've only because it was an exterminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's that transformation that, and and it and it certainly plays on adolescence and you know, teenagers when you're you're in that uncomfortable stage of transforming from, you know, a child to a man or a woman or an adult, whatever, you know, 
and and I think superheroes sort of in one way allow you to deal with that on some level of that the world can be a difficult place but there are ways to survive in it if you know if you're willing to go through the transformation I'm sorry I don't I, 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 Tom you just woke me up with that clap next time keep it down well, I'm sorry I, you I, was, you, you I started to nod off that was beautiful Th- this is okay. Fine, I'll just go back to Happy no. Boy. Just talking about <laughs> woo, monkeys. This, this is this is a <laughs> theme that that I and Tom, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I will. After all these years of reading comics, are we that silly to think that they're not going to do it to us again? I mean, come on, that's how yeah. comics work. You have this huge event. I and, have faith and, in my comic uh, company. Oh, you God. have just, never delude you have me just in any thrown. Way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've thrown a rock in Tom's glass house. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> It'll be okay, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> the Flash is back. Get Tom's pacifier. <sighs> but I mean, come on. I'm gonna go pick how, a how Flash many, one. How many times? <laughs> I feel better. Comic, it's, it's comic books. It's they will. They'll, they will undo it at some point. Does anybody remember the Clone Wars? We ignore it now, don't we? Yeah. Hey, Ultimate, I'm, ultimate, I'm ultimate Clone Wars I'm is in, on the way. I am already a fuck you. Ultimate I am Clone already Wars. ignoring the uh, Gwen Stacy's a host storyline in the recent Spider-Man uh, book, the last year or so. All right, we're 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 we're, we're almost. Gwen Stacy's secret identity is no. Are you a man? Can you speak for other men? Um, I'm going to. I <laughs> am a man. And I'm not. I, a, I'm, I allow Sal can speak for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I tell I, him. I've talked to men before, so I know. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I've talked to many in men. prison or. Well, uh, we stop it. Boo. Tom. Does Tom. Hello, yeah. Fa- 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 favorite. <laughs> I was going to say the Flash, Barry Allen, only because the joke for years. No, he was no, late. you're. you're you, 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 are, you, are you are banned. You are banned from Flash comments. All right. Well, so. then I have none. <laughs> <laughs> used to be Spider-Man, I, now it isn't, so, you know, I abstain. <laughs> I abstain, then. The rest well, of them are all shit. Well, <laughs> no, I don't. I got it, I know. I know. I, don't uh, take mine. If no. you take mine, I'm going to slap you. Captain Marvel, Shazam. Oh, that's a great one. Like that's that. a great one, yeah. yeah. Billy Barton, that's, yeah. yeah. Batson. That's, that's Jesus. Batson, Billy Bart. Billy, Billy Bart. Wasn't, that, wasn't he the midget Bart's on uh, Time Bandits? Billy Barty, yeah. Yeah, Billy Barty. Sorry, I always got those two confused. <laughs> the same height. <laughs> my favorite in Secret Identity is Billy Barty. It's people. Orko. And that's little people. The they're not midgets. They're, I, I, they're little sorry, people, folks. I'm sorry. They're the it's same height. There are many contingents out there. And they're very close in names. I always get them confused. How does Bruce Wayne get away? With, how does Bruce Wayne get away with, you know, getting the shit beat out of him, all the scarring all over his body? Except his face is perfect. Um, heavy armor in the I don't heavy know. Armor. I don't know. <laughs> it's an it's a comic book. We can't take him too damn serious. Don't hit the face. Don't hit the face. Don't, yeah, don't hit me in the face, Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody He's tell me who Doctor Bong is. Hemp Mick Smokey. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. We're done once again. Uh, like Chris usually says, we are, we'll be. <laughs> Hold on. We'll be. We're go, in go. comics. Okay, Geek, geek Armor. Why? I, you didn't like how I read it? No, I just I want to read it. Well, let Tom read it. Go ahead, Tom. I read it after Tom reads it. Which one do I read? The GeekArmor.com. Geek Armor. Do it, armor. Do it like it. Chris would read it. <laughs> no, Greek, <laughs> Greek Armor. Geek Armor. I'm going to take a back. T-shirts with the geek in mind. I, I don't know that it's something that... I think it's it's too classic of an element of, 
of heroic stories. I mean, even if you go outside of the realm of of superhero comic books, I mean, you go, you know, to like Zorro or, you know, uh, the Lone Ranger. I mean, they, they are masked for more than the reasons that they give. Bozo. They, they need Bozo the Clown, the clown. A true American hero. They need their um, anonymity. The Gimp from Pulp Fiction. Is what? <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere, in and around comics. <laughs> Shut oh, up, man. You're done. Now. That's it. Thank you for listening to Around Comics. Hey, everyone, uh, check out uh, a, a new, hopefully more well-constructed episode on Monday. Pathetic. Uh, <laughs> boo. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll be everywhere. In, around, around and in comics. <laughs> it goes both ways, pal. <laughs> If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week. Where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same. Bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics. <laughs>